0: Pastor Ed Taylor says God uses painful experiences to prepare us. God is testing us with great things to prepare us for more great things. And I also realize that that may not be so encouraging for you that are in a real difficult time. Because like, man, when is it going to be over? Like, can it just be done and I, I can learn what I need to learn and move on? But remember, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're experiencing right now is for the sake of preparing you for what's up ahead.
1: This is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place I'm glad we can share the next half hour with you and welcome to Abounding Grace, the radio outreach of Calvary Church in Aurora. Pastor Ed Taylor is in Hebrews chapter 11, often referred to as the Hall of Faith. And all this week, we've been surveying Abraham's life. You might say we've reached the pinnacle today. By faith, Abraham offered up his son as a sacrifice. Talk about a huge test or impossibility. Pastor Ed will relate this to the impossibilities we all face, and like Abraham, we're to approach them by faith.
0: Take your Bibles, open them to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to pick up last time uh, in verse 17 where we left off, and this is the highlight of Abraham's life. I mean, this is the pinnacle of Abraham's life. And I've titled our Bible study, By Faith, Abraham Did the Impossible. Abraham did the impossible. So that's the title. I use the phrase, did the impossible. But really the whole chapter, all of chapter 11, and I mean really if you step back, all of the Bible is filled with the impossibility of man and the possibility of God. It's filled with the, the, the lack of power, the lack of resources. It, it's filled, the Bible's filled with man's lack, but it's also filled with God's supply. And we see that so clearly in the life of Abraham. Remember when Jesus was talking and he was teaching uh, the rich young ruler. And he was telling the rich young ruler, look, this is the issue. This is it. What, What you need is you need to sell all your things and you should come and follow me. Now that wasn't a universal thing. It wasn't something that everyone needed to do. But what Jesus did is he placed his finger on the heart of the issue in this man, just like he does with us. I mean, I'm always amazed as Bible studies go out, there are many, many people listening, even in one room, many people listening and people walking out, same Bible study, same applications, same scriptures, but they all walk out with something different. Why? Because the Holy Spirit loves to use the word. And, and it's not just in a room, right? Because you podcast Bible studies, you're watching online, you're listening on the radio, I'm always reminded what a blessing it is to provide our city with 24-7, every day of the week, every hour of the week, every minute of the week, literally every second of the week is filled with worship and the Word that originates from this little church. And so it's amazing how God uses that in so many different ways. This guy, this was his issue. His issue was he was married to his possessions. And Jesus said, look, you want to follow me, this is what it's going to take. And then in watching him walk away all discouraged, it led to a question of his followers. And his disciples asked Jesus this question, who can be saved? Like if that guy can't be saved, he he has everything that somebody you think would need. He's got a religious upbringing, everything going for him. If that guy can't be saved, I think is on their mind, then who can be saved? And the answer in Luke chapter 18, verse 27 says, Jesus answered, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And we just need to let that sink in. Only God can do the impossible. And really, of all the impossibilities we face, all the things in our lives, all of the things that we come up on, the, the true impossibility on the earth today is for a person to be born again. That's impossible. That's impossible. Nobody can be born again on their own. Nobody. You can't be born again. Your mom can't be born again. Your your brother, your sister, your co-worker, you can't be born again on your own. There's nothing you can will it. You can't work for it. You can't wish it. The only way to be born again is to take the impossibility of a spiritually lifeless life and offer it to God in repentance, Jesus said it this way, unless a man is born again, he won't see the kingdom of heaven. And so being born again is a work from on high. And don't let any religion rip you off. Don't let any Bible teacher, don't let any YouTube video rip you off to thinking you need to work your way for salvation. Or somehow the more you work and the more obedient you are, the more God loves you. It's not true. The impossibility of you and I becoming in a right relationship with God, that impossibility has been matched by the cross. By the cross of Jesus Christ. And Paul would know best as he talked about having needs. He knew how to be, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, we learn how faith can give us access to power, strength, and action. Where Paul says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content." I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everything, everywhere in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. And then he closes it off, and he would know. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so now we come to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, in this time in Abraham's faith walk, where he's brought to another place of decision. You know, from strength to strength. He's taken from one place of faith to another place of faith. And this is a huge one. I mean, this is one that I don't know that I would pass or I would have passed in my life. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac... Your seed shall be called. Accounting that God was able. Right? The impossibility. But listen, God is able. He accounted that God was able. And I think maybe that's just a word from the Lord for someone. Like, you need to choose to count the faithfulness of God. In all your counting, in all your math, and all your arithmetic, and all your concerns, you've got to count in the power of God and his ability. I know he's shown it to you before, but you need to, to, to account that God was able. For him, it was able to raise, the, raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And today is a really high point in the life of Abraham. By, by faith, Abraham offered up his son Isaac as a sacrifice, which I guess we could just end the Bible study there and just say, wow, uh, because All that's encompassed in the emotion and the drama of this episode is just beyond our ability to comprehend. Now, I don't have an only begotten son. I have two sons and a daughter. And one of those sons uh, passed away, went into the presence of the Lord about seven years ago. I know many of you know that. Like that, to to even think that I could be a part of that and to think that that, that God would lead me down a path like that Now, I do have to say on a very smaller scale, like, you know, you got Abraham up here and Ed Ray down here. I do know that while we were at the hospital praying and while we were uh, desperate for him to wake up, I I do do remember this sense of God saying, well, Ed, will you trust me with him? And it wasn't this, like, because for me, in my heart, I said, of course I trust you with him and I hope he wakes up. (laughs) It wasn't, I trust, and then to think the worst. But Abraham, he thought, he, he considered the worst and still moved forward. This, this is, Abraham inspires us in all the drama and difficulty of our life. Because Abraham waited and waited and waited for the promise of God to come to pass through the birth of Isaac, and it came. And his 90-year-old wife had a baby. (laughs) And they named him Laughter. And yet now, many years later, as we come to this episode in Hebrews chapter 11, well, from Hebrews 11, let's go back to Genesis chapter 22. Let's reveal the, the whole story in Genesis chapter 22, because some time has passed in from the birth of Isaac to this episode in chapter 22. And let me just say, what he learned, before we move into the text, what he learned with the deadness of Sarah's womb and the deadness of his own life, what he learned there, what he understood there, was that God can bring life from death. That was a lesson. You're involved in things right now, and you don't quite understand what the lesson could be. And you don't quite understand how God is going to use this, and what he's going to do, and how he's going to use it in your life. And, and you're not quite sure what, why God would allow this, and, and, and what lessons are to be learned. But through this, it was more than a miraculous birth. Abraham was in school, and you and I are in school. If we'll take the approach of allowing God to teach us a few things about our lives through every circumstance, right? That, doesn't the Bible say that God's working all things together for the good for those that love him, those are so all things are going to be a lesson for us. Abraham, he knew the promises of God. Abraham experienced faith. Abraham all that, but he also learned this. Don't miss this. His wife unable to conceive. His wife, unable to, uh, the, the deadness of his body, the deadness of his wife's womb, taught him something. That God can bring life from death. And that's in his heart. That's how much he trusts God. That God can bring life from death. And we know that to be true when you fast forward into the life of Jesus Christ. That Jesus lived, died, and what, rose again. God can bring life. From death. Notice now, in Genesis 22, it says, Now it came to pass, this is verse 1, came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. Isn't that what Hebrews said? Hebrews said that he was tested. So here he is. He's tested by God and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood in the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And this is so amazing, verse 5. And we will come back to you. That's confidence. Yeah, we're coming back. I want you guys to take care of this, but we're coming back. And O Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on his, Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. Now, before we move on, Genesis chapter 22, we have a picture of the death of Christ from the father's perspective. Father's given us perspective. If you go to Psalm, if you're taking notes, you go to Psalm 22, you'll have the picture of the Son from the Son's perspective. And then if you go to Isaiah chapter 53, it'll give us the picture of the death of Christ from the believer's perspective. And then the Gospels, they give us the perspective of the death of Christ from the Holy Spirit's perspective, as, as you get different facets of the same activity. Now remember back in Genesis 18, God said this in verse 16. Then the men arose from there and looked toward Sodom. Abraham went with them to send them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord, to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So we're in an environment of of Abraham's life where God's not hiding things from him, even though he's not revealing everything to him yet either. So he's not hiding, but he's also not revealing. Now between the birth of Isaac and the time we get to chapter 22, You know, different people have different time frames, but it's between 20 and 25 years later. So don't picture Isaac as some kid in a red wagon going up to Mount Moriah. He is a man. Now, my boys, as they grew up, they thought they they could beat me up at various stages in their age. And don't tell them this, but they could actually beat me up far earlier than I ever told them that they could. But they ended up growing up, you know, in their early 20s, like they were strong and working out. And even though there's still dad strength, I'm not going to say it, but I guess I should. They could beat me up. They could beat me up. So I don't think Isaac here is someone that couldn't fight and say, Dad, this, no way. So, so not only is the, is the, uh, is the spotlight on, on Abraham, but it's also on Isaac, And Isaac is a son who becomes a picture Abraham, a picture of our heavenly father. Isaac, a type and a picture of Jesus Christ. And don't forget this. This whole scenario is all about Jesus Christ. And I want you to realize that Isaac is going up with his dad, voluntarily submitting to his father's will. And you just have to learn to live that way, friend. I dare say that some of you listening to me right now, that is the problem in your life. You just won't... Submit yourself to the Father's will. You think it's a submission to your dad. You think it's a submission to your parents or your grandparents. You think it's a church submission issue. You think you don't want to submit to that pastor. I don't want to submit to you, pastor. I'm not going to submit to my overseer. It's not really a problem with him or her. It's a problem with God. Learning to submit. Learning to surrender. You know, the tests that's revealed here is actually not the first time Abraham's being tested. The test here is not the first time. If you recall, as we've studied through in Hebrews with Abraham and gone back to Genesis, there's, there's actually been uh, three tests so far that Abraham has come to and passed. The first test was his calling. He, Abraham was called out of his homeland and called to a place that God would show him. That was test number one. Test number two was God's command to separate from Lot. Now that seemed to be an easier test, although I don't think it was so easy because, you know, Lot was his nephew, he was his relative. He loved Lot. He cared for Lot. But in order for him, remember we learned, in order to, sometimes you just got to let go in in order to lay hold of the promises of God. You just got to let go. Sometimes there just needs to be separation, strife is often the tool that God will lead to us to separate. you got to let go in order to lay hold of what God has for you. So Lot was, needed to be let go, and they needed to separate. He passed that test. God's calling, God's command. And then thirdly, he was also given the test of God's concern for him to let go of Ishmael. Ishmael isn't, unfortunately, in many Bible teachers and many Bible studies, the relationship between God and Ishmael is misrepresented. God loved his son Ishmael deeply he cared deeply for Ishmael, and so to see a separation in order to prepare for what God wanted to do through his promise, even though Ishmael was not the promised child, Abraham loved him, cared for him, it was his boy, and yet God came to him and said, no there's this Ishmael as much as you love him, is not the promise it 's your." You worked that out. That's your flesh. But God wasn't saying not love you, don't love your son. God wasn't telling Abraham not to care for your son. God was saying, Abraham, I have something else for you. And Abraham passed that test. Which brings us to the fourth test that we find in Abraham's life, which is the hardest of all, the most difficult. And you know, when I think of tests, I'm, I'm, for me, when I think of tests, like tests were always easy. I'm an easy it's easy for me to take tests. I'm that kind of guy that could study the night before. I could study an hour before the test and, and pretty much ace it uh, before I take it. I know not many people have that, but that's, that's, how, I, that's how I was. I was able, that's what's got me in a lot of trouble. I didn't need to study. I could study real quick and then take the test and go mess around and get in trouble. Um, but in my relationship with God, he doesn't allow me to do that. I, there's no shortcuts with God. I've had to learn To study for the test. You go, how do you mean? What do you mean study? How do you study for tests you don't even know are coming? Well, the study for tests that you don't know that are coming is to, first of all, learn from the tests you've already taken. And secondly, the real test is actually not in the episodes. It's in faith and learning how to trust God in this current situation. Because whatever God is doing in your life right now, whatever God has in your life right now is preparing you for what's up ahead. I know for some of you, that's a very exciting thing. It's very exciting to think that what you're going through right now is good. It's awesome. And it's wonderful. It's great. It's going to lead to something even greater. And I agree. I love that. God is testing us with great things to prepare us for more great things. And I also realize that that may not be so encouraging for you that are in a real difficult time. Because like, man, when is it going to be over? Like, can't it just be done and I, I can learn what I need to learn and move on? But remember, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you're experiencing right now is for the sake of preparing you for what's up ahead. And so Abraham, all these tests was preparing him for this moment. I bet you he didn't feel prepared. I'm sure if his emotions were revealed, kind of like Sarah before, right? Uh, here's the promise, but but uh, ha, ha ha, that's great. This is not, never gonna happen. And yet her faith carried her through. Well, it's the same here with Abraham. And God uses pain and suffering and anguish as Abraham has experienced that before don't think to to leave your homeland wasn't painful don't think to uh, separate from Lot and your family and all your nieces nephews and wasn't painful don't think that letting go of Ishmael thinking that what we did have a kid this here's your promise here he is you're like no that's not my promise there's still more for you wasn't painful And it is in the school of pain that God will often strengthen us, pointing us to the Father, pointing us to the strength of the Son. And God indeed does use pain to strengthen our faith in Him.
1: You've been listening to Abounding Grace and part of a study in Hebrews. Abounding Grace is easy to hear again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Just search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. Pastor Ed, we have just a few days remaining to offer our listeners the excellent book by Edward Welch called Depression. I'd like to read a line from the book and ask you to comment on it. He says, The fact that all your thoughts turn back on yourself... Is oppressive. The self cannot carry the load. The way we were intended to function was to be able to look outward toward God and other people. Well, let me just say, Larry, I know this was an unorthodox
0: type of choice or an, uh, one that's unusual. Uh, choice of the pick of the month, but I have found in the studies that I've read in the ministry that we've been going through that sadness, sorrow, discouragement, and even depression is on the rise like never before. And I absolutely want you to get this book. Uh, you can get it on our website, CalvaryCO.store, or wherever you, wherever you get books, get it, whether you support the ministry or not, get this book because depression is real. Christian depression is real. I, I wrote an article on this very thing recently on my website, dot edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org. And uh, I'd encourage you, I've written quite a few things because discouragement and even depression uh, has visited me many, many times after the passing of my son. And, you know, it's, it, it's just one of those words that Christians don't like to use, um, but it's unfortunate. We're not going to use it, though, the way the world does. Uh, we're going to use it the way the Lord does. You know, why are you so disquieted within me, soul? Is what the psalmist said. But to that line, you that line you shared, the fact that our thoughts turn back on ourselves, it's very difficult to hear this uh, when you're in the midst of depression. But it is good to hear it. You need to hear it from somebody. That's why reading a book is really helpful because we don't know Edward Welch. Uh, personally, we, we we if we got mad at him, it's okay because he wrote the book for us. But you, when you're told something really difficult in the midst of sorrow, you you might get upset about it. But here's the thing: depression can start this this circle where it's all about you. And when it's all about you, you're very close to self-centered, self you know pity parties and things that are confusing with the real pain that you're feeling. Uh, but you, like the author says, you know, like Mister Welch says. The self can't carry the load ever. We need to get outside of ourselves, get our eyes back on the Lord, and walk by faith in Him. God intended us to function in drawing our resources from Him, loving the Lord God with all our heart, soul, and mind, abiding in Him, and then looking outward to love and serve others. It's a great book. I mean, that one little line, a couple, ver- couple of sentences, so powerful. But the whole thing is super powerful. Please get it, whether you support the ministry or not. Please, please, please get it. Get it for yourself. Uh, get it for someone you know or wrestling. It, it is a thoroughly biblical approach, thoroughly biblical and very helpful.
1: To get a copy of our Pick of the Month on Depression, just call us at 877-30-GRACE. It's available right now for a gift of $25 or more. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace.